0: All right, everybody, welcome to Room 2250, Season 3. My name's Danujan, and today we have, well, what I'm going to call it, and on behalf of this podcast, Room 2250 CS graduating student, student, Lana El Senora. I hope I said that name right.
1: Yeah, you did. Hello, everyone.
0: So how are you doing? It's one month, one and a half into quarantine, and almost approaching two months, so... Mm -hmm. How's it been for you these past
1: few weeks? It's been really good. I've been trying to be productive from all aspects. So I'm doing more exercise. I'm trying to be creative. I'm playing guitar and I'm also watching some cool TV shows. And my sisters and I are spending a lot of like quality time together. And we're watching a lot of family movies with my, like my whole family just sitting up after dinner and we're just having a good time. So I'm trying to kind of have everything, uh, laid out so i'm as productive as can be and it's been i've been making the best out of the situation as everyone can i guess
0: yeah i know it's like everyone trying to make the best of the situation and i think that especially for people to make for family time as well this has been a almost a blessing in disguise in a way
1: yeah i've grown much closer than my family members and i've also been like watching movies with my friends through netflix party and Video calling and playing games virtually, so it's been it's been really cool because we're experimenting with so many ways to connect virtually. So it's been it's been fun.
0: Yeah, especially like this this episode as well. We're doing this over Zoom, so so you're the winner of John H. Moss Scholarship, so UFT's top prize for graduating students that are going to grad school. You basically all I'm, I I'm maybe putting on a limb on this, but you possibly have the highest GPA in the program.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Maybe, <laughs> well, Steph, you have a very high GPA. I'm pretty sure you have a very high GPA. But John H. Moss, two years ago, the Conrad Women in Tech Scholarship, this year, the Platters Award, as well as a bunch of other honors and academic achievements. So we're going to talk to you about sort of tips for other people, how you've gone to figure out these opportunities, all sorts of things fun stuff will come up with the next one and a half hour, hopefully maybe, maybe less. So for people who don't know what the John H. Plot Scholarship is, I'm going to read the description, which is very cut and dry, but the John H. Plot Scholarship is awarded to outstanding undergraduate students in arts and science at the University of Toronto, St. George, Mississauga, and Scarborough, so out of all three campuses who are intending to pursue a second degree or graduate level studies. The award recognizes academic achievement and extracurricular achievement. First awarded in 1921, this award is almost 100 years old. It's 100 years old next year. Presented each year under the banners of the Awards of Excellence, along with faculty, staff, and student awards. The Awards of Excellence usually recognize the outstanding members of the University of Toronto community who have made very meaningful contributions to the university, their communities, and to the world. And uh, the alumni department is the one that coordinates this along with university stakeholders towards this prestigious work. So this only gives it to one student every year. And this year it's you, Lana. Yeah. So as I was looking through like past winners, which is surprisingly very difficult because the website only has up to I believe 1991 mm-hmm. and then so from 1921 to 1991 we have no idea who's actually won it it might be somewhere in the archives but not public though interesting names Craig Kielberger won the award back in 2007 which is actually interesting this I was like oh wait Craig Kielberger I know that name yeah for a lot of us growing up at our age we were like the me to we movement was just starting around when we were like grade five, six, seven, around that time was where mm-hmm. we was being huge and Craig Kilberger was almost like a celebrity in itself along with the lot of And I was trying to find out if there were any other CS students who had won in the past and there was one person who actually won in 2017. Yes. So Quinn Etheraja won it in 2017 with a 4.0 GPA which is Surprising into itself that that is an achievement on its own, but also a lot of work in research with uh, So actually he was from They list under Trinity and St. Mike's which doesn't make sense, but for fair trade certifications and Created computer science analysis to evaluate consistency of Indian Supreme Court judgments so This guy did some really cool stuff, along with, uh, Rux was actually founded by him. Yeah. He was the founder of Rux and served on the governing council in his University Affairs board. So a lot of people, a lot of amazing people have been on this. So it's not really typically given to STEM students, like very few, that was the only other STEM student that had actually won this award. Most of them were international relations, Mm -hmm. humanities, a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. So they actually gave a very, very big piece on you as well in that award statement. And I'm going to read it again for people. It's on the awards.utoronto.ca site. So, absorbed by cross-disciplinary potential between cognitive sci and machine learning, Lana has transformed undergraduate culture in the Department of Computer Science and faculty uniquely original research. A computer science specialist, cognitive science major at NICC, You've enjoyed many academic successes winning the Conrad, women & Tech, Light Earth, and conducted three original research projects in language learning and culture shift at Professor Yang's Cognitive Lexicon Lab. And you both of you have submitted two projects to higher-level conferences in Coxa. You completed internships one year with machine learning at Intel, a summer at MIT, Watson's AI lab, and this summer at Amazon remotely. And second year, you founded Hello Girl, club for women in computer science, social gatherings, discussion sessions, hackathons, online chats, and transformed the department-wide culture through efforts organized with the CSSU, creating a code of conduct, reorganizing the lounge, facilitating event hosting, and coordinating a refreshed orientation day. Also, teaching programming workshops for other student clubs and peer mentoring, and then extracurricular-wise. Basketball player, two time MVP in the UFC's Intramural League, a songwriter, choreographer, filmmaker, and photographer. And this fall you'll be beginning your MSc in computer science here at UFT. And praising her intelligence, breathless interest and creativity, her professor single out how she created leadership roles, her draft seek research opportunities, and her generous sharing with her fellows. That is a that is a mouthful. So how did you feel after when you figured out you won the award?
1: I was so excited. I was so happy. I almost cried because it was just so exciting. And the first thing I did was I just shared it with my family and we were out to dinner and it was beautiful. So I felt very grateful, but I also read all of the biographies of the finalists and they've done such incredible work. So I wanted to congratulate them too because even making it to the finals of this thing is a huge deal so I I was just very grateful especially to um, the mosque committee of course in the University of Toronto but also to Victoria College for nominating and endorsing me and to the professors who wrote endorsement letters for me and to all of my friends who supported me throughout the whole process and to the CS community like it just kind of all tied in together where I just was in this point of utmost great like gratitude so it was it was awesome
0: yeah, because I like, guess like this is like one student out of all three campuses graduating. So like that's that's like over like a couple of thousand people at least. And then out of those people that are going into graduate studies
1: mm-hmm.
0: and out of that it's just like it's, it's a testament to the work you've done and oh, thank you and the work that you hopefully be doing eventually. Yeah. So as we break this down, like, I guess we we'll, we'll start sort of the beginning, it's like, so why did you want to do CS and why did you choose your team?
1: So I took my first computer with computers, science, you could create a solution to any problem that you can have while leveraging things like math optimization, algorithmic theory, like all of those things that I just found so cool because I really enjoyed science when I was growing up in math and I really enjoyed um, more of the just problem solving techniques. But also I really loved the arts and when I applied to university I'd applied to programs like film and media studies, I applied to medical physics, to computer engineering and computer science and I got accepted into all those programs and I had to make the decision of all right which one am I going to go with and the, and then I after talking to professors like Professor Steve Engels and uh, Professor Sheila McClary then just really Figuring out like, what the computer science um, program is like at U of T, I decided that this was the best thing for me to do because I could combine computer science with my passions and use it to create solutions that could really impact so many people. And at U of T, being like, the best computer science program in Canada, I just knew this is where I wanted to be. And so I made the decision to join CS at U of T um, in 2015 is five years ago five years so, ago it's like, yeah
0: time flies it's, like, it's been like five years it does so you started and it's changed a lot and even within the field itself throughout even the CS undergraduate program itself with next year's huge amount of changes as well and now with COVID-19 god knows what's going to happen for that
1: yeah yeah Whether that's right
0: like this falls and- this what does tomorrow even bring, in that sense?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, so a lot of actually the reasoning why I turned you on with this was to help sort of incoming students and current students trying to figure out, okay, what are the type of opportunities that I can do and even like what's the experience actually like? So like, recently there yeah. on the Reddit, there were a bunch of people talking about their experiences on, on both sides of the spectrum of, a, a good experience and, and iffy experience, mm-hmm. putting it lightly. But, and I think a lot of it's all about like trying to pursue those opportunities, finding what those opportunities are and then putting the effort to actually get into those opportunities.
1: Yeah, like just to add on to what you're saying, you can't wait for people to give you opportunities to things. You need to be working extremely hard, you need to be seeking those opportunities. And a lot of times you're lucky because Opportunity comes when you're really prepared and those two really come together. But if you weren't preparing for those things, you it's going to be hard to kind of seek them when they come to you. And so I think that being proactive and working really hard and keeping your options open and bouncing back from rejection and all of that stuff is really important. And it's what allows you to kind of broaden a lot of your horizons and make use of a lot of opportunities that come your way Um, especially when it comes to school like I feel I feel like in university even doing well in courses is is difficult at the beginning but um, just some advice that I had that really helped me was I created study notes like condensed study notes for every single course I took and up until now every course I can look back to I have a little booklet of study notes that I can always read up and brush up on and like even that little thing helped a lot because it just allowed me to always have like an abridged version of knowledge that I gained in university. And so I just feel like a lot of times things might be hard, but just working hard towards your goals and, and putting in the work really pays off.
0: Yeah, because that's like I've seen your notes. They're like like really condensed. They're actually very good notes actually. Like if people ever get a chance to see it, it's like like it's like maybe two or three pages for course, but it really gives that sort of like, I could almost learn a course in that, like, three pages <laughs> or something. Thank you. So, speaking of those opportunities, so you've done PY at Intel, Summer of Research at IBM Watson, yeah. and U of T, like, Research Courses, Capstone, all that. So, out of these, I'm going to ask you the tough question of <laughs> which is your favorite? And I guess talk about each of those opportunities, how they came about, or why you wanted to do this.
1: That's a really tough question because I loved each of those opportunities in very different ways. Like they, they all, um, they all contributed something to my professional and my personal career and my life, basically. Because with Intel, I that was the first internship I'd ever had. I'd had a summer internship with them in second year, and that was where I learned everything about what it's like to work in an office as a software engineer. And then when I worked with them for on my as PEY, um, I ended up looking at machine learning from the ap- from the application point of view, and I hadn't done that before. So all of the courses we were taking in university were more theoretical, and the research I had done at IBM was also kind of using the uh, machine learning models from more of, from a research perspective, and so I loved the work that I did at Intel because it really got me to dive into more of the applied side of machine learning to also work with hardware and to work with FPGAs. And when it came to MIT IBM, like that summer was incredible because I had to go to Boston, a completely new place, and had to live there for three months. And the interns that were there were so much fun. We would do so many fun things. We'd play board games after work. We would go to learn a lot. So that was my first time doing research. And I got to research neuro-inspired um, machine learning models, which was something I was very passionate about because I study cognitive science and computer science. So I study the intersect of AI with cognition and psychology. And so with MIT IBM, it kind of gave me so many examples of ways to combine AI and cognitive science, and it also introduced me to a world of industry research. And that experience is what showed me that I wanted to go to grad school. Like just the creativity and breadth that research gives you is what really empowered me to say, okay, this is what I want to do later. And then when I did research with the Cognitive Lexicon Lab, I learned so much, but I also got to explore what it was like to work in an academic um, research environment and so i really started to understand what it's like to create your own hypothesis to test it what you should do when it doesn't work and you need to actually go about about it again and it it was really cool that i was able to um, write a first author paper with professor yang zhu and we it recently got accepted into the Cogsi conference and it's going to be a presentation talk and Like, it was so cool to see all that hard work pay off and to kind of go through the motion of what it's like to be in an academic research institution. And so all those three experiences, I think, are so unique that I can't choose my favorite one Um, and the cool things that they all kind of led into one another. So if I wanted to talk about how I got those opportunities, I'll need to start off in second year, in the fall of my second year. So in first year, I applied to internships and uh, I didn't have the experience, so they didn't really... I'll get back to you. So like, okay, you know what? Like you should maybe work a bit more on some side projects on your resume and things like that. And so instead of working that summer of my first year I spent the whole first summer working on an independent project. I worked on a game and I tried to make it really cool. So I applied to internships again in the fall of my second year. Again, people would get back to me and say, you know what, like you don't have enough side projects, you kind of need to spruce that up a bit more. Side projects, Uh, I'm gonna take a course on how to write mobile applications. And I just started, and I did that during the summer, I mean, sorry, during the winter of my uh, second year, so that I was ready for the career fair in January. Then my resume was much better because I had a lot more side projects and things like that. And I just put my resume in every single booth that I could think of, and Intel was one of them. Amazingly, Intel got back to me with an interview date and they said, you know what, we don't really have room right now, but if anything comes up, we'll let you know. And they got back to me saying, hey, we have room for a summer internship. Would you like to join us? And so it really like it didn't happen just like that. I needed to try several times. I needed to revisit my resume, add things to it. And when I got my summer internship at Intel, um, it was awesome. And by the end of it, they told me that they'd like me to come back for PEY. And I was so excited about that because that would have been exactly what I wanted to do. But I feel like diversity is important. So I also wanted to make sure that I had other opportunities that I applied for before really committing to a 16-month internship. And so what I did with Intel was I asked them if I could make it 12 months. And then in August, I started applying to internships all over for the summer before that. And that's when I got introduced to the MIT IBM lab. when I was when I was interviewing for MIT and IBM, I didn't have any machine learning experience. I was currently I was taking Andrew Ng's um, machine learning certification course, but that was pretty much it. So with the interview, I needed to tell them that although I don't have ML experience now, I'm taking all those courses next year. I'll be ready for you when you if you give me the internship. Then, and they said, okay, fine. You don't have ML experience. Try to solve this problem given what you think would be like the the right answer. And because I had done cognitive science, which taught me about AI from a philosophical standpoint, I could solve the interview question. So by that point, I had gotten the um, MIT IBM research position. And when they asked and they picked me to different managers, I was able to be paired with the deep learning acceleration team. So it was amazing because my interests were in AI and machine learning and I was able to get those um, I was able to get those like different experiences within those domains. But after my work with MIT IBM in the summer, I realized that I really wanted to go to grad school and that I really wanted to try research at U of T. So during PEY, I started emailing professors about possibly working and doing research with them. And that's when I um, got interviewed by Professor Yang Zhu for the Cognitive Lexicon Lab. And it was literally like the perfect match because his work is in um, computational cognition. So really using natural language processing, psychology, um, linguistics, and all of these different techniques to try to understand how lexicons evolve, how uh, we can maybe try to create algorithms that are stimulating what the mind does when it's making or extensions, in grammatical classes and things like that. And so it was amazing because I got to work on really cool research projects with the Cognitive Lexicon Lab. and. When, I, when he'd asked me what sort of experience I'd had, I could point back to Intel and to MIT. And then when I applied to grad school, I kind of had the portfolio. So I was able to say, well, I've interned here, and I've researched here, and this is what I want to do later. It was really a pretty good package coming in. Yeah, yeah. A,
0: if we look at that like whole package of experiences, it almost all builds into each other in, in an almost too perfect way, <laughs> to be honest.
1: But, but it wasn't perfect because yeah. i'd applied to internships and they told me no and i applied to others and they said yes so i think like if anything had been different maybe things would have been different that way too so a lot of times um, really like when one door closes another, another opens, opens and that just be something that you learn from and that you keep doing what and you something that you learn from and you keep pursuing your passions regardless of what people are saying and what and that's just life right like you don't get everything you want and you go, sometimes you just get what you need and you use that to keep growing
0: you take what you can, but, um, So, so actually, I was gonna wonder about. So, what made you decide to do like sort of a cognitive science major? So, sort of joining in with CS and then also with uh, cognitive science.
1: So, remember how I said at the beginning of the podcast that I um, was like playing guitar <laughs> during my free time, and how I talked about media and film as things that I was interested in and things that I was applying to for university. So ever since I was young, I've been writing songs and creating biographies. Like I was in show choir in high school, and I was a co-choreographer and went to nationals. And so I've always found um, self-expression to be really important. And I've always used art and music and writing and language in order to express myself. And I found it very interesting how a lot of times you can understand your mind through forms of self-expression. This was something that I just kind of felt in the background as I was growing up. And then in first year, I took really cool courses that I was really interested in. I took the philosophy of puzzles that taught me about um, how, the, how the brain really interacts with the puzzles and the philosophy of them. I also took English literature and um, literary traditions. So we were writing and reading a lot and I took psychology 101. And I realized that I just loved this idea of cognition and trying to understand how the mind works. And so the only way for me to take psychology courses while also doing computer science, which I really enjoyed, was to do a cognitive science major. Yeah. So at first, I was only doing cognitive science because I thought, okay, this will give me enough courses to really balance out my degree. So I did a major in cognitive science and a specialist specialist in computer science. And then in order to do the major in cogsci, you need to take that intro course. And that course is what really di- showed me that there is this discipline that tries to solve the question of what the mind is and can do this using computational methods. And so really something that um, they say in cognitive science or a question that I became interested in was this question of like, how do we, like, can we use machines to create or to understand the mind? And is, can we create artificial intelligence by taking from what the, what the mind has already taught us? And so when I took that course to try and understand um, self-expression and linguistic expression and to try to analyze data on how the mind works, and so for one, the research project that's darn accepted into COGSAI is actually a paper on looking at the gender convergence in lyrical expressions of love. So we were analyzing music lyrics, which is self-expression, which is something I was always very passionate about. So. It was awesome, and so that's kind of how my path wounded into AI and uh, cognitive, computational cognition, and computational social science, and things like that.
0: Yeah, when I was hearing about that that research that you were doing about like analyzing musical lyrics to figure out emotion and all that, and it was like that's surprisingly deep for like mm-hmm. you know, like music itself it's like it's more of an expression in a sense, so. Like being able to sort of say, okay, well, based yeah. on these lyrics, what are they actually feeling, rather than trying to figure out through their Twitter profile or something like that. <laughs> All right, so we got through the experience. Your favorite yes. course?
1: Oh, okay. My favorite course is uh, CSC three hundred and sixty nine, the operating systems course. Yeah. So much fun. We got especially the way that it was taught was. Incredible because we were being put in the shoes of operating system designers, and we needed to ask the tough questions and answer them. And by the end of the course, we had built a whole OS from scratch, and I just felt so fulfilled. And it was it was incredible. Um, CSC 236, that was the second year um, theory, theory course. course. Yeah, loved it. We were learning all about algorithms and different data structures, and it was just so fun because. Like I hadn't seen that side of computer science before. 165 kind of dived into it a bit yeah. with some of the um, like the proofs and stuff. But for 236, that was the first time we'd said, all right, let's actually learn about computer science from the theoretical lens. So loved that course. Um, CSC 401, the natural language processing course, was so fun because I was learning about, okay, the computational side of linguistics. But our professor, Frank, was also... Um, teaching us about the way for example like the way that language works and the way that our, our phonetic system works and he was really crossing like he was showing me the power of just crossing two disciplines together um of course Psych 100 loved that course it was really what kind of awakened this um like psych love for me at the time and english yeah. 150 that was a full year course on literary traditions we started off reading the first book ever written was the Iliad and then we went through time reading every other book and comparing books that were written later on with ones that were written before and figuring out figuring out what the intertexts were and it gave me such a good foundation uh, for, for understanding literature like we read Dante's Inferno and we read Shakespeare and th- but then we also read books by Lebanese uh, writers and and playwrights and i'm lebanese myself so that was so cool to me because i was like oh I, I just love this course so that was really fun i took it in first year
0: yeah that's that's a whole breadth of all those different courses whether mm-hmm. like that uh, that english course was that, that that was not a seminar course was it English. no
1: english it fiction? wasn't
0: no we were
1: we were a big class yeah it was it was a big class
0: that was one of my bigger ones right, right, right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and then i remember 236 that's that's actually where we met the first time
1: Yes. Yes, it yeah. is.
0: We went for 10 time there, and then yet 369. That was fantastic. And then 401. We just recently finished. March Yeah, we just today. got our grades <laughs> out actually. Got <laughs> yeah. them today. So
1: we got our grades back.
0: <laughs> grades on the I I'm happy about that. To be honest. Me
1: too. Me too.
0: But that, and a lot oh, there are a lot, a lot of the CS courses are actually very well done. 458 one of my personal favorites at least in the fourth year we took
1: project. that together too i loved that course.
0: Yeah, that was fun even uh, even 360 uh, th- not 369 uh, 373 was actually really interesting as well at
1: with the yeah the and process. and all the courses we took were so helpful with all the internships yeah. and all the interviews and everything like it's really really awesome
0: it all works out and yeah. and then even when we took 302 last semester back in in the fall, like that, that sort of a big project. And then we were working for Cancer Care Ontario, and then that was an experience almost in of itself, whether with with big software. And even after doing like internships and all that stuff, it's like great to sort of work in a team and be able to do that.
1: Yeah, because we had this industry partner that we had to try and solve.
0: All right, and then exactly we got the courses. Now tackle sort of the balance, like your high academic achiever. And how do you balance that with like school, with clubs, friends, family, and then for you, basketball and commuting? Like, how do you manage to balance
1: all that? So the balance is tough, but I really think that if you're just really passionate about something, you're just gonna make it happen. Like Nothing that I was doing felt like a chore. Everything I did was because I was just really excited about it. So for basketball, sometimes the games would come up to like, would start at 10 p.m. And I live about an hour away from campus. And so, but I just love the games. So I was like, I'll just study a bit longer. I will, um, I'll just study on campus. I'll go to the game. I'll come back home. I'll sleep. It'll be fine. And, and even with clubs, like I, but it came to, like, doing the, cl- the work that you need to do for clubs d- was just kind of like having another course that you need to prepare for that you need to work for. And when I was uh, working with the CSSU, I would just use Office Ops to study. Uh, but when it comes to Hello Girl, like, those meetings were breaks for my friends and I because we just needed time to um, really, like, cool off and talk and have a good time. When it comes to even, like, the programming workshops and all of those things and the UTAI club, I just – felt like I'll finish up my courses, I'll make time for these because I need to. And it was so fulfilling because just going to those workshops and seeing that aha moment people when they figured out, oh, okay, so this is what this for loop does. And that's what this variable is going to be doing really kind of just made me so happy. So it never felt like something I needed to like figure out too badly, but it did sometimes get a bit much so i needed to always remind myself to take a break and to to really take things slow so a lot of times when it, like as soon as exams start i take a one day break and i'm like i'm not doing anything <laughs> for that one day before exams start. just to give myself nothing. that refresh yes and then i usually like write a schedule for my exam season where i say okay i'm doing lecture one two three for this course and four five six for that other course and things like that and when it comes to commuting i just chose my courses in a way that they made sense for my commute So i didn't choose yeah. courses that had five hours in between them i would try to make them a bit later or not too late and i would just try to make it work that way and i try to uh, family is really important to me so i like on the weekends my, my my family and i always hang out we play board games and we do exercise together we go on walks so it was always something that like i always had a lot of priorities and i just needed to figure out how to make them fit and something that really helped though was during PEY, I took two courses and that allowed me to take four courses every um, semester in my last year. And this allowed me to do more research and to apply for MOSS and truly really dedicate time to writing my personal statement for grad school and to figuring out what I wanted to do and to interviewing and to applying for jobs. So that was an important thing.
0: Yeah, being able to sort of find a course load that man- that you can manage. And like I, I took some of course and then Fourth year, I got more, one less credit, and that really gave me sort of that like Helped. room to sort of breathe, in a sense. Even yeah. though I was doing five courses every year, I think after PY, it was just like, okay, maybe I need four courses. <laughs>
1: <Not> mm-hmm. <mine. laughs> exactly.
0: So the thing is also, so why I sort of say is like room to scratching student of the year thing is that so when everyone sort of thinks about okay once you're out of your undergrad as a CS student, it's like, what are the achieving factors? It's like a high GPA, either you have a really high GPA, you got like a fangry unicorn company job offer, or you're like in research or in doing grad school. And you have all three. (laughs) So you got a full-time offer at Amazon.
1: Yes, I did. And
0: then you got the offer to do MSC a master's here at UFT. Yeah. How did you make that decision? So, what was going through your head when Still, trying to make that decision? Like, who says no to justifications? Well,
1: <laughs> so here's what happened. All right. So, so yeah, that was a tough decision, especially because when I like when I got into my um, it's my final year at UFT, I decided that I was just going to apply to a lot of different opportunities is going to apply to work, but I was also going to apply to research and different types of research programs. And then the thing with applying to things is you don't really know until the results come back. So when I kind of free all my applications, I said, I'll just worry about making my decision when everything comes back. But the issue with Amazon was that I got the full-time offer in January, but I wasn't expecting any MS, um, any masters responses until March. And then I had to really sit down and make that decision. I needed to think about what I needed what I wanted to do with my career and what um, different like pathways these decisions would take me to. But the really cool thing about Amazon was that in their FAQ, they said that if you get accepted to grad school, you can just accept your job offer and then make it an internship when you get your application acceptance. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. Like I can actually do and get the industry experience that I want. As a three month as an intern and then continue to do my masters afterwards and the reason that I chose to still do my masters right after graduation was just because of the the places that I wanted to go with my career like I love research I really love the idea of being able to um, have a research question and a hypothesis and contribute to the community with novel ideas that could then make their way to helping people in really great ways and I felt like since I already had the opportunity to do my uh, re- to do research into complete my master's why would I wait a bit why would I wait longer especially because I'd already found the lab and the supervisor and the topic that I was so interested in and the university that I was so excited to join and so I just thought you know what I am going to do my master's uh, with professor Ashton Anderson at U of T in the computational social science lab and I'll do my Amazon internship in the summer, right before, right after I graduate. And that way, I'll kind of get the full package with my experience, but also the things that I want to do and the things that I want to explore in that way.
0: Yeah, get that sort of full experience in a way. Yeah, Best exactly. of both worlds. Yeah, so getting involved. So you've done, you've been a TA, you've done Hello Girl, CSSU. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: first of all, with uh, Hello Girl. So yeah. you founded that club.
1: I so co-founded about- it with Justine, co-founded,
0: right? right.
1: <laughs> yeah, with Justine Chen.
0: So, so talk about like what, like why you want. To-
1: okay. So, Hello Girl is a club that Justine Chen and I co-founded and started in second year of our um, studies at U of T, and really the goal of that club was just to be able to have um, kind of a space where a lot of the women in our club can meet, can talk, can go out and have fun. We got to dinner. We went to public night together we have weekly donut meets or we like we'd have maybe bi-weekly donut meets we just kind of meet up and and just talk about some of the things that we cared about and we would even go to hackathons together we also had like an online group where we would ask questions and just try to um, navigate this whole world from uh, as women in the program and it was really so much fun i grew so much closer to a lot of the women that came to the club's meetings and it was such a great experience And kind of the goal of that was just to be able to create um, an environment where we felt included and where we felt um, kind of ready and uh, and it was really fun the club was for and it was really awesome it was super fun
0: awesome so then talk about your work with the CSSU
1: so the CSSU's work was kind of also kind of inspired by the work that we were doing with Hello Girl. And it was really because we realized that if you want to create a more inclusive environment, we can't just do it from the inside out. Like we also need to try and make the um, environment more inclusive to us. And so although there are so many people um, in the program that are super of computer science, we that wasn't something that was Um, kind of explicitly talked about at the beginning of our orientation and so we started off with uh, this like my journey with the cssu really started off with computer science orientation so justine Chen and i had been also talking about um like orientation and as we were talking about it it was through like hello girl and stuff and we realized that in our first year our orientation wasn't really the best. Like, we didn't really know what different avenues we could go to from computer science. No one ever talked about the importance of inclusivity and respect um, within the environment. And we thought that those were all things that we were really missing in orientation. And we decided that we wanted to apply to be co-heads of orientation for computer science to try to give the incoming students the orientation that we never had. And so we organized the whole day starting the summer by um, having like a whole committee for fresh, for fresh executives. We had um, training for orientation leaders. We started off the day with a whole ceremony trying to kind of create more computer science spirit. We had chants, we had like a mascot that was running around. We also started off the ceremony just talking about the importance of inclusivity and respect and kind of the values that the university uh, upholds and expects from its incoming students. And then we also had professors come in from very different disciplines and talk about the different things that you can do with computer science. Like we had people come in from the UT um, like graphics lab and talk about how you could combine art with computer science, but also combine um, like algorithmic theory with computer science and all of that kind of stuff. And then we did we did so many fun games and we just kind of tried to make it an orientation that made people feel like they were coming in to join a community. And from there, we also applied for the CSSU General Council because we wanted to keep going on that momentum with the CSSU to try to really create that community that we felt we were missing in our um, first and second years. And so we did everything from start adding new events. We had bi-weekly pancake breakfasts. We had karaoke nights, game nights. We just tried to create more opportunities for people in our program to meet. But we also tried to make the CSSU um, lounge more welcoming and more inclusive to people because a lot of times we like we heard a lot of people saying and I felt that as well when like going into the CSU just might not have been the most um like the most welcoming experience that people might have had when we when I was in first year when I was in second year or when some of our friends were in first and second year and stuff and so we thought okay what can we do to make this lounge more welcoming well something that we can do is add like a code of conduct, add some standards and rules that we expect every student that comes into this office to uphold. And that's when I talked to Professor Diane Horton and I said, like, this is kind of what we're thinking of doing, what do you think of this idea? And she said, oh, well, you know what? We have codes of conduct for CSC 148, 165. That's, it's, it's a really important thing to have that i think and so it was cool because we we showed it to the team we kind of wrote it up we put it on the we put it um, in the office then we said okay another issue with the office is that you kind of come in and there's no one there to make to greet you or to make you feel the whole interior such that when you walk in there's someone there to greet you we tried to um have general council members do office hours whenever they could. We tried to make it just more of a lounge where people can come in and feel more welcome. And then we also did things like we had a semi-formal and we had um, a yearbook that hadn't happened from 10 years before. And that was really Sonata Katz's idea to kind of bring this yearbook back. And the really cool thing I found was that even this year, like even... Two years later, people, the CSSU council is still upholding all of these things. They updated the code of conduct to try to make it to add even um, to try to make things that incorporated more of the lounge, uh, like lounge etiquette, for example, what you do with your yeah. video game controllers and things like that. Uh, we also have another yearbook this year. We have uh, we had a semi-formal last year. Another one was planned for this year um, before the pandemic, and so we also had the pancake breakfast still happening so I just thought it was incredible to see how uh, like all the work that, d- that the general council uh, had put in a couple of years ago has really been taken with open arms and has been uh, like updated and worked on and improved upon and so that was really exciting for me with the CSSU.
0: Yeah because especially like all those changes that came in and with that and then a lot of them like, I've done off stops a lot in the past year I've in the office a lot and it's always great to see someone say like, like say hi to them or just like say or just even like a friendly face at the office just saying hey yeah no no we're not all like just people that just sit here all the time yeah I get it there's like only thirty, thirty 30 odd people that can fit in at a single time and to the detriment of the office space yeah. that's how it works but a lot of the time it's just like, even just like having that friendly space, or, and a lot of the time we say it's like, maybe not everyone, sort of, not everyone can be in the CSSU at the same time, but sort of to find that community that you can be with. And a lot of people find that connections within the CSSU, like you meet someone in there that has some interests you you and maybe you'll become friends, maybe not.
1: Yeah, or you'd be working on a problem set in your first year and there's a fourth yeah. year sitting next to you. That's happened so many times where someone's just like, yeah. oh, can you help me with this? And then the really cool thing is that, like, the whiteboard was installed a couple years ago, too, and now people yeah. are, like, doing different algorithms, t- algorithm trying to solve different problems, and there's a code. You'll always get and, the most, you know,
0: you've always, you'll find the most, like, like, the most challenging problem set problem or something, that, sort of a problem of the week, the assignment question of the week. People trying to work it out on the whiteboard.
1: Yeah. It not the was, answer.
0: Not the answer. Just right. people working out examples.
1: As they do in any other student lounge or any other yeah. student, like another student.
0: And yeah, spaces. like a lot of the whiteboard space that we have in Bayhen, especially 2270 and mm-hmm. 3200, we have those two, like four big giant whiteboards. People use them and people like them, or at least people use them more. Sometimes if they, can't, if they don't right. use it, it's because the markers are gone.
1: Yeah, that's right. And that's another thing. Like, we updated the store. We started having markers in the, in the drawers for people to kind of buy and do all that stuff. So I think that – and none of that also would have been possible without the help of the department because they were yeah. so ready to help us make the changes that we were thinking of. And it was awesome. It was it was really The cool. department understood
0: the, I- the importance and the value of – and and I and I really community. do feel it. They they really do value it, in the yeah. sense that most community groups that have went to the department have gotten funding support, and yeah. a lot of the times it's like the department has been very, very uplifting and sort of saying, "Hey, yeah, we'll work with you on these things." Definitely. Of course, it's and, time.
1: And and the thing is even like with the cssu the fact that we started holding town halls for people to talk about their concerns to the department was really important and i and i know that a lot of times with community change and um, community involvement things aren't perfect and you try your hardest um to make changes and sometimes it's uh it can only go so far so i'm just really excited to see what more years are gonna bring and the, the more changes that are to come and all of that kind of stuff
0: yeah see what what's next so then last thing sort of and we can both speak to this so sort of uh TA sort of mm-hmm. like for a lot of people it's like starting off and saying wait undergrads are TAing and it's like yeah it's like undergrads for CS there are undergrad TAs and sort of talk about your experiences behind that
1: right so my experience with TAing is that I took CSC 209 in the spring of my second year. And then I applied to be a TA for that course and other courses as well in the fall of my third year. And CSC 209 was a very special course to me just because it was my first time taking C. And I loved that course. I guess that was a course I forgot to mention in my favorite courses. But I think was uh, the, better, so. it was awesome. Um, the way Professor Karen Reed like, taught that course was great. But I also feel like the kind of the way I interacted with that course a lot is what allowed me to be a potential TA for it as well. And so um like I would ask a lot of questions and I just because I was very interested in the material and I also did well did well in that course because when they want to see if you want to TA course in the application, a lot of times recognizing the name of the student who's interested in applying, but also knowing how well they did in that course help. And so when I applied for that course in the fall of my third year, I'd done well and I had also um, also been very involved in asking questions and in trying to understand the kind of the core ideas that we were being taught. So if there was something that just didn't click with me, I would go to office hours or I would stay after class and just keep asking until it made sense. And I think these are all things that uh, material. And I think when I applied VUTA that was something that was cool I'd taken the course very recently and I'd done well and it also um, I'd been active in the course too
0: yeah because I can only say the same for like when I did for 148 Mm -hmm. two years the winter of my second year and third year was when I was doing it with professor Danny Heap and and really that spoke to me sort of like saying of like being able to help people to Even especially in those first year courses, being able to help them sort of understand what what those concepts are, and that and that course is a huge foundation for programming concepts. Like Mm -hmm. even today, like you'll find interview questions that take like linked lists. Yeah, definitely. Linked lists and trees that we start programming in one forty eight still apply today.
1: And just one more thing, a lot of times you can talk to the professor um, at the end of the course and you could say, yeah. I really enjoyed this course. Are you looking for TAs next semester? And then they could say, yeah, sure, apply. I'll check your name out. You know, like it It could really yeah. be um, a lot of and then when they ask you if you've had previous teaching experience, uh, a lot of times you don't need to like if you haven't had teaching experience before, you could say no, but uh, I've been leader of a study group. I have uh, been a peer mentor, and all those things are really helpful as well.
0: Yeah, but being, especially, yeah, building up a report with the pop with the process and teaching that is is a great way to get your foot in the door as well. Exactly. And, and the pace. that Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going in long. Oh, this is gonna be fun. it's oh, fine. It's fine. All right. So, your tips for current students and incoming first years, especially mm-hmm. since we made, you know, fingers crossed that happens this year. Yeah. Not, I, we're doing virtual frosh, which that's going to be interesting. That's going uh-huh. to be very interesting if mm-hmm. a virtual frosh happens, but let's mm-hmm. show you about that. <laughs> but, so what are your tips for incoming students, current students that are currently in the program or trying to get into post?
1: Okay, so um, I'll start off with my tips for incoming students and I'll move on to talk about my tips for current students. Uh, So first year is gonna be a big change than what you're used to because high school had much smaller classes, much more intimate uh, relationships with your teachers and in in university it's gonna be different. But I found that trying to maintain the relationships um, that you would have had in high school while you're in university was important so figure like meeting your professors going up to them talking to them asking them questions going to office hours talking to the people next to you to, if you have questions about the material or if you just wanted to s- create a study group so you could tell them hey would you want to study for this course once a week for example and trying to do it that way was really helpful um, it's, it could be difficult to make friends in first year just because everyone's cr- so diverse but i really found that joining clubs and joining different communities was very helpful the cssu and all so many different cs clubs like the graphics club the ai club um, the gaming club they're all there for you and to meet people to do things that you're interested in and honestly just taking a chance exploring is really important and if you find that you still don't have your community, even if you maybe try to go to those clubs or your thing, try to start your thing. That's a really big way for you to meet more people and to figure out kind of what, the, what you can do with the U of T and with its community. Because something I found at U of T was it's so open for change. If you just have an idea of something you want to launch and you find the right, if you go if you find guides with professors willing to help with you help you like all of that is really um is really helpful it's really important and it could really help as well from an academic standpoint i found study notes to be really helpful um just kind of writing out your study notes for every course that you have in a very condensed fashion that so that you can kind of review them later and also when it comes to studying for programming courses i found that rewriting for well right when i was doing it first year Um, all of the coding classes had had in code snippets that you needed to write and so I would actually practice rewriting all the examples that we did in class rewriting all of the assignment um, snippets that we needed to do because a lot of times midterms or exams brought things out from the assignments as well and so just kind like realize that university is really going to give you what you back what you put in if hopefully if everything goes well and so just kind of persevere work hard and try to do as well as you can and if at any moment you feel like you're struggling go and ask for help talk to your friends talk to your professors um there are so many resources at U of T you there are so many ways to to kind of get support and get the support that you need as well and so for so um, that, I guess that's my advice for incoming students. Yeah. For current students, uh, if you are not sure kind of what area of CS you want to go into, I think try to think back to a point in your life where you're really passionate about something and try to see if that ties into CS. I know so many people that um, tie in computer science with healthcare, with like bioinformatics, with um, even music, with linguistics, right? With sports, with sports analytics, there are so many things that you can do and There are so many opportunities in Toronto, all over the world, that are open to kind of having you explore those things. I also think never be afraid to reach for the things that you are interested in and to reach out to opportunities. So if someone says, Oh, I don't think you'd be a good fit for this internship, say, all right, it's okay. I'll just try again later, or I'll do something else. Like I applied to, I applied for an Amazon internship, and I was in second year, and I actually didn't even get an interview back. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I'll just apply for other stuff. It's all good. And then I applied again in fourth year, and I got an interview, and then I got the job. So it's really a matter of just working hard, trying again, fixing your resume, fixing your, fixing everything up, and, and just not giving up if things get a bit tough. Also, um, just going out to a lot of events was really was really important because you get to meet people and you get to feel like you have a community that that that, that is there for you as well.
0: Yeah, that community is important. So then, so then, what's next? Sort of for you and
1: on my research paper, with Professor Yang Zhu to try and prep it for CogSci. And I'm I've got the internship at Amazon, and I'm super excited for my masters with Professor Ashton Anderson and the Computational Social Science Lab, um, starting the fall of 2020. So, so Computational
0: Social Sciences—that's different than the Lexicon Lab that you were working on last year, that's right? That's
1: right. Yes, yes, that's right.
0: So, I guess they're sort of friend partners—I don't
1: know. <laughs> so, with the, its 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 interesting because, so the paper that I that I that I that I wrote with Professor Yang was was both cognition but also social science because music is really a cultural product and it can also be a a product of um, like the society that music is in and so I became very interested in this idea of social systems and trying to understand the way that society can be impacted by different trends, by different cultural phenomena. And so I I was very interested in that aspect of things. And thankfully, that's a lot of the work that Professor Ashton Anderson works on in the Computational Social Science Lab, but he also combines it with AI and machine learning. And so it's really cool. It's like the best of both worlds for me. It's awesome. Best
0: of both worlds. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, awesome. Congratulations on behalf of I guess I'll just put it on behalf of the podcast myself.
1: Thank you. The CS
0: community and on behalf of the department, uh, I hope the department doesn't fire me for this. They won't fire me. <laughs> give my degree, okay. We'll
1: see. I <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, congratulations on all of your achievements, and we hope that we get to see more achievements from you in this field in the future.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: So that was. I guess one of the final episodes of Room 2250. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This Yes, this was longer than most other episodes we've had, but I think it was worth it. We had a great conversation.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And see you all in another episode of Room 2250. This is a to sign off.